This has been a very tough year. The many families and households really find it hard to get to the end of the month. It is heartbreaking. And there are solutions, but these solutions have to be systemic, have to be global. And that's what we are trying to push forward. Hello, this is the weekly Tradecast, podcast brought to you by the UN Conference on Trade and Development. I'm Sarah Toms. We're exploring how major events are shaping trade and development and how that affects billions of people around the world. This week, we have a special episode with UNCTAD Secretary General Rebecca Grinspan looking back at the many challenges of this year and ahead to 2023. Well, this year, of course, has been unprecedented with the economic recovery from COVID still shaky. The war in Ukraine has hit the world with a cost of living crisis. Inflation is high, interest rates are rising, and many developing countries face distress over their debts. We're here now to talk about the realities and UNCTAD's work to achieve global solutions is Secretary General Rebecca Grinspan an economist and former vice president of Costa Rica. She is the first woman to lead UNCTAD in its 60-year history. Well, welcome back, Secretary General, for this very special episode. Now, it's been quite a year, hasn't it? Um, Looking back, what have been the most difficult challenges, would you say? And how close are we to finding solutions? This has been a very tough year. It has been a very tough year for the most vulnerable people of the world. They have had to go through, in the last three years, through COVID, through the impacts of climate change, some of them through drought, others through floods. And at the end, the the war in Ukraine has turbocharged a cost of living crisis. That means that many families and households really find it hard to get to the end of the month. And something is so basic as food starts to be not accessible for some of them. So this is hard to see. Yeah. It is heartbreaking. You know, the developing world, also the developed world, I, I would say, is, is being hit. But they have more tools to cope. Yeah. But the families in the developing countries, the poor and vulnerable households around the world, don't have the tools to cope with it. And so we cope in the worst way possible, skipping a meal, taking children out of school, compromising our future. So probably that is uh, what keeps us awake Mm. at night. And there are solutions, but these solutions have to be systemic, have to be global. Uh, Solutions at the national level are also important. Policy frameworks, actions to protect people on the ground. But at the end, the solutions lie in the coordinated action of the international community. And that's what we are trying to push forward. Well, if there is one thing that you've learned over the past year, what would it be? One of the things that I've learned is that inequalities makes us more fragile. So tackling inequalities, closing the gaps is what makes us resilient. 
And there is no dichotomy between growing and fighting inequalities and growing and fighting poverty and growing and sustainable development. And if we continue to talk about trade-offs and not about win-wins, we will continue to take the wrong policy action. You have been instrumental in uh, leading one of the two UN task force that have brokered deals with Ukraine and Russia to keep grain and fertilizer exports flowing throughout the war. What effect have the Black Sea Grain Initiative and the fertilizer deal had on food prices and also the prospects for next year's harvests? The Black Sea Grain Initiative has had a very positive impact on the prospects of a food insecurity crisis. It really brought prices down. We have said so many times that what will really ease the pain on billions of people around the world is bringing prices down. And the Black Sea Grain Initiative has brought prices down 16% for international prices down for the vulnerable families of the world. Now, volumes of cereal and food has gone up and they have gone for human consumption to the most needed countries in the world, to the least developed countries, to the developing countries, bringing trade to scale as the Black Sea Grain Initiative has done, has paid off. 13 million tons of grain has left the Black Sea Grain Initiative. It really limited the hoarding and speculative behavior in the market that was hurting so many. Now, we are not where we need to be, and we have to be very clear about it. Very positive effect, but we need more. First, we need this initiative to continue. We need to maintain trade flowing. We need the Black Sea to be open for trade. And we need to continue to bring in prices down and exports of food and fertilizers from the Russian Federation getting into the global markets. We are very worried about the fertilizer part of this. We know that fertilizer prices have gone up even higher than food prices. And small farmers in developing countries are being priced out from buying fertilizers. And that will affect yields and will affect food production in 2023. We have very little time before the sowing season in the Northern Hemisphere is over, and we need to step up our efforts to bring fertilizers in major volumes to the right places during the next weeks to avert that a crisis of affordability will become a crisis of availability in 2023. Here, collaboration and coordination at the global level with the EU, with the European Commission, with the UK, through the UN efforts to avert this crisis with the different organizations in the UN. This is possible to achieve, and that's why we are working so hard to make it happen. How positive are you that it will? You you cannot, you know, have this job if you don't believe that it can have an effect. 
<laughs> you know, if you don't believe things are possible, uh, you won't put all your effort in mm -hmm. making it happen. Let's put it this way. We are not naive. We know how difficult this is, but we know that it can happen because when we started with the Black Sea Grain Initiative, nobody believed we were going to be able to make it happen. And we did. And I hope that the same will be here. Another one of the main issues this year has been inflation. And of course, uh, throughout the year, central banks have been raising interest rates to rein in inflation. What alternatives are there out there? And why do you think they would work better than current methods? What we have been calling for is a policy mix. Uh, we are very aware that interest rates needed to go up. But the problem is not the direction. The problem is the quantum and the speed. Because if you don't allow the markets to adjust to the new reality, if your expectations of bringing down inflation are to bring down inflation fast to 2%, like many of the central banks are saying, there is no way in which you won't bring a lot of pain to many countries and people in the world. Mm. And why do you have to do that? If you can have a policy mix that won't put the pain in the most vulnerable. You know, economic policy coordination have to be put in the table. There are not only central banks in the world, there are ministries and there is finance and there is economy and there is regulatory bodies. Why aren't we using all what we have at hand to regulate markets that obviously have a very important part? Let me also say something that I think that is important because it's not only aggregate demand at a global level that is pushing prices up. There is a supply side that is disrupted by COVID, by the war, by many factors of what is happening in the supply side. And interest rates increases do not solve supply side, unless they bring demand so down that you get into a recession. So give the supply side also the elements to be able to resolve the disruption and the bottlenecks that are bringing inflation up, because this is not an inflation that is coming from wages. Wages, in average, in the world are going down. So we need to look at all the factors and try to resolve them in a better policy mix to ease the pain on the developing world and the most vulnerable. And many of these developing countries were already struggling with more debt um, that they took on during the pandemic. And of course, now with the interest rates rising, currencies weakening, um, the burden's been even heavier. Give us an overview of why the current situation is so risky for developing countries and how can they get a lifeline to help them out of this? Well, 60% of LDCs, according to the IMF, are at the brink of a debt problem. One third of the middle income countries also are suffering from the same problem, from the burden of debt. And in the majority of the cases, it was because of the systemic shocks they have been under since 2019. So do we have to help or do we have to punish them? Mm. And our position is that we have to help. And the international community has the instruments to help these 
countries with liquidity on the one side so they can help their own people <laughs> that is going through hardship and also through framework for debt restructuring that will help these countries to have a long-term perspective to regain sustainable development. Looking back over the year, what achievement are you most proud of in 2022? Well, probably about our efforts to bring uh, the Black Sea Grain Initiative and the Memorandum of Understanding with the Russian Federation and the UN within the framework of the Global Crisis Response Group. We have been able to give information, analysis, statistics, indicators to make the world aware of the pain that so many families and developing countries are going through because of the systemic shocks they have been under. And that has mobilized action and will from the international community because only the UN could have done this. Yeah. Only the UN. And multilateralism, what we can achieve when we come together. And maybe that as the Secretary General has said, maybe this is a beacon of hope for the future. It was definitely the bright spot, I think, of the year, wasn't it? Well, one last question, and I have to ask you this. So what is your New Year's resolution and what do you hope for most in the new year? I hope for the world to be aware of the responsibility that we have right now. We need to coordinate. We need solidarity. We need collective action. And in a fragmented world, that will take a lot of courage and leadership. I hope we can see that in 2023. Well, here's to that, Secretary General. Thank you to UNCTAD Secretary General Rebecca Grinspan for being this week's guest. We'll be back next year on January the 5th, but you can keep up with the most pressing issues around the world of trade and development on our website, unctad.org. I'm Sarah Thomas in Geneva. Happy holidays and best wishes for the new year. 